Thank you for joining our Transform 365 podcast, a discipleship and teaching ministry of SWCC. We pray this teaching helps you to grow in your journey with Christ. We have some great resources available for you on transform365.com webpage. Feel free to download discipleship materials, small group teaching, as well as peruse our training workshops. Also take time to visit www.swcc.org for videos, teaching, and more. We thank you for listening and your support, and we would love to hear from you. So use our contact page and drop us a line. Now for our podcast teaching. Do you want to be great in God's kingdom? You know, Scripture actually doesn't say that it's wrong to want to be great at anything. Um, In fact, Scripture kind of counters that, and I know there's this culture within Christianity that says um, that you have to completely humble yourself in every circumstance, and humility is not actually making yourself lesser or worse or not trying your hardest, okay? Humility is realizing that there are other people that need to be lifted up and lifting them up. That's what humility is, is is putting yourself under the Lord. That's humility. But Scripture talks a lot about everything you do, do it wholeheartedly. Give it your all. Why? Because you're knowing that your reward isn't from men, but rather from God. So do you want to be great in God's kingdom? Now you have to ask ourselves that. You know, all of us want to be great. We want to be, we kind of put ourselves great in other areas in life. We want to be great, you know, if you're a doctor, you want to be a great doctor. You want to be a great uh, parent. You want to be a great, um, you know, worker. You want to be a great boss. You want to be all these other greats, but we never focus on what is to come, and that's God's kingdom. And God wants us to strive for greatness within his kingdom. Do you want your celebration as you enter into the kingdom to be one of, of celebration or just kind of like, hey, you made it, you know? Because that's something we'll be getting into next week is there is a triumphal entry for those that have overcome in Christ. Do you want that recognition? And listen, this is not what our salvation is all about. Jesus didn't die to get you recognition. But do you actually want recognition in heaven? You know, it's spoken of in Scripture that Daniel the prophet, when Gabriel came to speak to him and interpret his dreams, he said, O highly revered and esteemed one of God. What does that mean? It means there was conversations in heaven around God's throne where God the Father The Holy Spirit and Jesus Christ were conversating about the pride that they had in the prophet Daniel. Think about that. That's greatness in God's kingdom, isn't it? Another thing of greatness in God's kingdom is when Jesus was sharing the parable of the talents. What did Jesus say the master will say to the good slaves, the good servants? Well done, my good and faithful servant. That is greatness in the kingdom of God, and we all want that, don't we? But how do we obtain that? Well, turn to Matthew chapter 5. 
Matthew chapter 5, and we're going to zero in today on verse 19. Matthew chapter 5, verse 19. Now this ties directly into last week's sermon, but he says this. Chapter 5, verse 19. Whoever then annuls one of the least of these commandments and teaches others to do the same shall be called least in the kingdom of heaven. But whoever keeps and teaches them, he shall be called great in the kingdom of heaven. So last week we talked about Jesus being the fulfillment of the law. How Jesus came to die for our sins. So we don't have to make sacrifices anymore. You know, there's always this idea of, of are we under the law of sin and death? Are we, uh, dispen- you know, just to let you know, if you're wondering, if you're wandering on, online and wondering what our church is all about, we are a, a church that believes in the dispensations of God. And if you didn't bring a goat or a sheep today uh, to sacrifice inside of this church, you're more than likely a dispensationalist too. So just to let you know, all right? That defines you as following along in this. But last week we talked about Jesus being the fulfillment of law. And he wasn't just the fulfillment of the law of sin and death. He came to live that perfect life on the cross for our sins. 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 21 says this. He made him who knew no sin to be sin on our behalf so that we might become the righteousness of God in him. So that now God looks at us and he sees Jesus Christ. He became sin so you could be called righteous, holy, blameless. To be seen in court, as we talked about last week, to be seen in court, in, the, in, in law, not guilty. Though you might be a murderer, a liar, a cheater, an adulterer. Why? Because he took your guilt punishment on himself on the cross of Calvary. He didn't come to abolish, but to fulfill. And that's why he says, and anybody that teaches that, hey, guess what? Now you can go murder as many people as you want. You can go do all these things. That, that's, that's ridiculous. He said, I came to fulfill the law, not to kill the law. Jesus freed you from the law of sin and death, the law that separated you from God and said that you could never obtain salvation. Jesus made the way for you to obtain salvation, which is by believing in Him. Amen? Amen. And here Jesus says, to be great in His kingdom. In verse 19, to be great, you need to teach what He teaches. To be great, you have to love greatly. I think it's seen in everyday life. Let's just, let's just try to, to realize this. What is love? Let's just put it that way. How is love seen? How is love shown? How is love felt? Have you ever wondered that? I really think it's in that call to a friend that has suffered a great loss or is in pain. I think it's when you're down to your last, you know, $400 in the bank and you've paid all your bills and then your friend lets you know, hey, guess what? I just, uh, I, I don't know what's going to go on. I, my AC broke. I have no money. And, and the guy said it's going to cost 400 bucks to fix it. 
and you take that money out of your bank and you give it to your friend. I think it's seen in, in, in the parent that is suffering and has a, a horrible disease that has shut their kidneys down and their child goes ahead and gives their kidney without any thought of what it may cost them in the future. Because they say, you know what, I have another one. I think it's seen in the one that's sitting on his deathbed dying. But they're more cared and concerned about the nurse who's unsaved and sharing Jesus with that individual. I think it's letting a loved one go to heaven even though you want them here. And just so you know, every one of those scenarios is a real one of people that I know here within the church. That is love in action. That is love being seen, being shown, being felt. If you have your Bibles, turn to 1 John chapter 3. 1 John chapter 3, and uh, you guys will have verses 17 and 18, but I want to take it back to verse 16 as well. First John 3, 16, 17, and 18, it says, We know love by this, that He laid down His life for us, and we ought to lay down our lives for the brethren. But whoever has the world's goods and sees his brother in need and closes his heart against him, how does the love of God abide in him? How, how is that person staying in the love of God? That's what that's saying. Uh, how, how are you letting the love of God sit in your life? That's what it means to abide. It doesn't mean that you're losing eternity or anything like that here. It means, are you letting the love of Christ come into your mind? You're hearing it at church. You're reading it in Scripture. And are you making it have that trip where it goes into your heart to be lived out? In verse 18, and this is so important, and I want you to, to just really note this today. Little children, let us not love with word or with tongue, but in deed and in truth. Or as NIV says, in action and in truth. In deed, meaning the things that you're doing, the actions that you're taking, and in truth, the truth of it, that you're living it out because your heart aches for the individual. Why? Because love is a verb, isn't it? Love is an action. And I think there was no greater action for us to be followers of Jesus Christ than to see Jesus say, for God so loved the world, and then He showed it on the cross of Calvary. Amen? That was love in action. And as followers of Jesus Christ, we're being told here to put our love into action, to put the law of love that He's come and freed us from the law of sin and death to live under the law of love where you care for people around you. Where it's God first and then people. To serve is to love and to love is to be great in God's kingdom. 
To act on a need is love. And we see this theme in Matthew chapter 5, verse 19. And we see it lived in John chapter 13. If you guys have your Bibles, we're going to go a lot into John chapter 13 to see Jesus showing us Matthew chapter 5 lived out and played out. John chapter 13. Here, Jesus' washing the disciples' feet is an example of us to live out God's love. To make love be an action and not just a talk. That's what 1 John chapter 3 says. Hey, don't just love somebody in words. There's a million love songs that are written out there. We don't need another one. Show somebody you love them. Live your love. Show your love. Have actions of love. Why? Because love is an attitude of serving others. And Jesus gives us probably the most humbling and beautiful example of love in John chapter 13 other than his death on the cross. If we go to what's taking place in, in this foot washing, I want to put it in its fullest context. And so hold John chapter 13 and go over to Luke chapter 22, which is a corresponding passage of everything that's taking place at the time. So they're sitting down, they're having the Passover meal. Jesus is breaking the bread and he's He's basically talked about how Judas is going to go ahead and betray him. And what does Judas do? He immediately gets up and he runs away. He goes to sell Jesus out. And then there's a huge discussion that starts to take place in Luke chapter 22. And that's where we're going right now. Verse 24 down to 27. And there arose also a dispute among them. Dispute means argument. They're arguing. Among them, as to which one of them was going to be regarded to be greatest. Who is going to be the the best, the greatest in God's kingdom? And Jesus said to them, the kings of the Gentiles lorded over them. And meaning they, they... They use their positions to control people's lives. And those that have authority over them are called benefactors. But it is not this way for you. But the one who is the greatest among you must become like the youngest. And the leader like the servant. For who is greater than the one who reclines at the table? The one who serves? Is it not the one who reclines at the table? But I am among you as one who, say it with me, serves. So here the disciples, they're getting into an argument. You know, they've just seen Jesus do a triumphal entry. People, they took off their jackets. They took off their clothes. They're throwing it onto the street as Jesus is entering on the colt of a donkey. They're taking the branches of the palm trees and they're saying the Shema and, and they're doing the ritualistic uh, you know, things out in the street right there for, for everybody to see. They're basically hailing Jesus as the King of kings and Lord of lords as he's entering into Jerusalem. 
And so now they're just poised and they're like, oh man, we have got it. Jesus is coming and, and he's here and he's just gotten all these people to rally behind him. We're going to overthrow Rome and we're going to overthrow the, you know, all the corrupt people that are inside of the temple and we're going to overthrow uh, Herod and we're just going to clean house. And so they start arguing. Oh, so who do you think is going to put, Jesus is going to put as the second in charge? And how does Jesus correct them? He said, the Gentiles have people that hold their authority over them. We as the Jewish nation have people that hold their authority over us and manipulate us like Herod. He goes, but here I am sitting with you as the master of all, the king of kings and lord of lords. Yes, the people hailed me correctly. And I said, if, if you silence these people, the very stones of the earth will cry out. He says, but I'm here not lording over you and not taking advantage of you. I'm here to serve you. And then what does he do? Instead of just talking. Scripture says, going back to John chapter 13. Go there with me. Jesus doesn't tell them, stop trying to be great. He said, stop. He doesn't say, stop trying to be great in my kingdom. He doesn't say, I don't want people to want to be great in the kingdom of heaven. What does Jesus do? He's talking about if you want to be great in the kingdom of heaven, then you have to be a servant. And it says that he gets up from his seat at the table. He ties a towel around his waist. He grabs the basin and he goes around from person to person. In verse 3 and 4. And he poured water into the basin and he began to wash the disciples' feet and to wipe them with the towel that was girded around his waist. Brothers and sisters, this is King Jesus. The King of kings and Lord of lords chose to let his last night alive on earth be an example of what it means to show love to others. To show his disciples what it means to love. And what it means to be great. Where he wasn't sitting as the one to be served, but he was the one working. He didn't sit and have his men serve him. In fact, in that time, a lot of times when you entered into a home, you would have the servants wash the men's feet. Because walking through the streets, you would have a lot of nastiness that would get on your feet. You'd get grubby. They wore sandals around. The, the animals would go to the bathroom out in the streets. You'd throw your chamber pots into the streets. There was a lot of grossness that got onto your feet when you were in the street. And here the King of Kings and Lord of Lords began to wash the feet of his disciples. 
Christ being the host, the master rabbi was not expected to wash his men's feet. That was the place of a hired servant, but he humbled himself in the place of a servant. Isn't that what Philippians chapter 4 lets us know? That he humbled himself in the place of a servant. Being in the likeness of God, he didn't expect to be put in the place of God. His role was master. His host was rabbi. And it's not diminished by serving. He's exampling the actions that need to be taken for anybody willing to love. Anybody willing to be great. Jesus is exampling the leadership that we need to follow and all should follow. One of action, not position. See, a lot of people here on earth, what are they constantly doing? They're jockeying for position. And that's what his disciples were doing. They're jockeying for position. Who is going to be greatest? Jesus isn't saying, hey, look, this is jockeying for position. What does he do? He gets into action. Serving is leadership. Because serving is an expression of love. And serving is following Jesus. And we need to follow in his footsteps. And as a result, as you serve, serving is greatness in the kingdom of God. Amen? Let's keep on in verse 14 down to 16. Actually, let's jump to 13 as well. You call me teacher. You call me rabbi is what the words are there. Rabboni. You call me Rabboni and Lord. And you are right. For so I am. Jesus is saying, hey, look, I'm the master. I'm the teacher. I'm the head. If I then, the Lord and the teacher, the, the, the rabbi, washed your feet, you also ought to wash one another's feet. For I gave you an example that you should follow, that you should do as I do. Truly, truly, I say to you, a slave is not greater than his master, nor is the one who is sent greater than the one who sent him. If you know these things, you are blessed if you do them. Why? Because love is an action. In spirit and in truth. In deed and in truth. In action and in truth. Jesus is showing his followers how to live. How to, how to serve one another. How to humble yourself in any means. And therefore become great in the kingdom of God. It's through the action of love. Brothers and sisters, we have not come to sit. As followers, we've come to serve. Amen? Galatians chapter 5, verse 13 and 14. Galatians chapter 5, verse 13 and 14. It says, For you were called to freedom, 
For you were called to freedom, brethren. Only do not turn your freedom into an opportunity for the flesh, but through love serve one another. For the whole law is fulfilled, fulfilled in one word. In this statement, you shall love your neighbor as yourself. When Jesus did the hard work on the cross, He set you free from the bond of slavery and the yoke of the law and the hardness of trying to earn your salvation. No, He eliminated all that. He died to set you free. That's what it's saying there. But don't let your freedom in Christ make you lazy and entitled to the family of God. In love, serve one another. In love, Reach out to the people that are sick and dying. Brothers and sisters, as I've told you before, it's estimated only 3% of Miami claims to be born again. Who are the sick and the dying? The other 97%. We show our love by reaching out to them. We show our love in the phone call. We show our love in the pot of soup. We show our love by calling and crying. We show our love in rejoicing. We show our love in our actions because love is a verb. It's an action. And to be great in God's kingdom, you know what you have to do? You have to stoop down low and look on high. Put the towel around your waist and serve one another. Amen? And in coming to fulfill, Jesus says, I want you to keep these commandments. Not in a way of ceremony or circumstance. He says, I, I, I didn't come to abolish, I came to fulfill. And I want you to keep on fulfilling it. Keep on living it. Keep on living love in your life and let it be an action of love. Remember, Jesus is still speaking to His disciples in Matthew chapter 5 here. Remember, we're, we're taking our time to devour each and every individual verse but Jesus spoke this, verses chapter 5, 6, and 7. Jesus taught this in a matter of a few hours to His disciples. Jesus said, this is the way to apply the law of love and compassion. And it's going to distinguish you from the rest of the world. From the Pharisees who, who like to stand on high and, and point their finger down and say, hey, you know what, the reason why this guy is struggling is because he's a sinner. But they failed to see that there was another three fingers pointing right back at them at their sin. And that's what the law of love says is, you know what? You're a sinner saved by grace. You're just a beggar that found bread. Now go tell everybody else where you found it. That's what the law of love says. He's telling us to have a law of action. In John chapter 13, we keep on going. I want you to jump down to verses 34 and 35. 
Jesus, he says, a new commandment I give to you. And this is, again, he's sitting in the intimate setting of the Passover meal. He's just washed the disciples' feet after they sat there arguing over the greatness in the kingdom. Verses 34 and 35, he says, a new commandment I'm going to give to you, that you love one another even as I have loved you, that you love one another. By this, all men will know that you are my disciples. If you have love for one another, people will know that you're following Jesus by your love. Notice that Jesus didn't say, everybody's going to know you believe. He didn't say that. He didn't say that it's going to mark that you've been saved. He didn't say that. What did Jesus say? He said, you're going to be known as learners of mine. People will know that you've been sitting at the feet of the master rabbi. People will say, you know what? That guy follows Jesus. By your love. His last message to his men was one of glory and love. Think about that. Think of how the two go together. Greatness and love. He was saying, I'm here for God's glory. And His glory will bring the love to the entire world. And I want you to remember that the importance of glory and greatness is love. He didn't say, I want you to remember sin. He didn't say, I want you to remember to be righteous. He didn't say, I want you to remember, you know, the importance of praising my name. He didn't say, I want you to remember all these other things. I, don't, I want you to remember exactly the right words to say. I want you to, rem to memorize certain things. He didn't say any of that. Jesus said, the last thing that I want you to remember, the command I want you to keep on the forefront of your mind is to love. A new commandment I give you, that you love one another as I have loved you. Jesus gave his all to love you. To be great, you gotta love. To follow, you gotta love. Look at verse 34 again. A new commandment. A new commandment. You know what a commandment is? A command is an action to bring forth a desired result. Jesus said, I'm giving you the command to love. I'm giving you the action to love so I can see the desired result. When God gave the Ten Commandments, you know what it was? It was, I don't want you to do this. I don't want you to take the actions of killing somebody. And my desired result is that this person isn't going to be dead. <laughs> and Jesus is saying, I want you to have this action of love. So people will know that you are my follower. 
fact, in verses 34, again, you look at it. Jesus says, a new action, I tell you, a new command to love. And he doesn't say, fill, you know, fill in the blank. He says, one another. Why? Because the focus is off yourself. I don't want you to love yourself. I want you to love one another. The focus is off you. The focus is on him and others. Why? Because it's a verb. It's an action. And it's a choice. Actions are choices. And we have to make the choice to be great in God's kingdom, to follow Jesus by loving others. It means I'm going to love the unlovely. I'm going to love those people that don't deserve it. I'm going to love with my actions. I'm going to love with my speech. I'm going to love with my lifestyle. Because I follow the Master whose heart is love and who showed it by dying on the cross because He said He loved the entire world. I'm going to do it because I'm a disciple of Jesus. And I want to follow Him. I want people to see me and see Jesus. And say, you know what? That guy has been hanging around Jesus. That guy has been sitting at the feet of Jesus and learning from His words. That's what the verse says here in verse 35. By this all men will know that you are My disciples if you have love for one another. The choice to love shows the choice to follow Jesus has been made. And this is how we accomplish the goal of glorifying Jesus in our life. Don't we want to glorify God in our lives? Then love others. And this is how we accomplish the mission of love that He left us with. By having actions of love. As we see in the next few weeks, Jesus says love is an expression of how you treat people and how you look at people. Next couple weeks, Jesus is going to go over how, you know, hey, look, uh, you've heard it said you shall not commit murder. But let me tell you what that looks like in the lens of love. You've heard it said that you shall not commit adultery, but let me show you what that looks like as my disciple, through the lens of love. He said, whoever thinks they can live life and hate others, that's a loveless life. They have another thing coming. Because what this is talking about is that the way we love people here directly affects our eternal outlook. Amen? To be great, we need to fulfill the law of love. So go and serve one another. If you want to be great in God's kingdom, 
be a servant of all. Amen? Let's go to the Lord in prayer. Dear Heavenly Father, I thank you for being such a wonderful and awesome God. Lord, you didn't tell us that we should shy away from greatness. Instead, you showed us how to obtain greatness. And it's through loving. And if we truly love people, we'll serve them. And it's not going to feel like service. Lord, I pray that we would take the same stance as you, our master teacher. It said that you embraced your cross despising its shame. But the reason why you embraced it is because you knew that it would bring many children to glory. Lord, that means that as you embraced that cross, the service of death on the cross, Lord, you hated the shame that was brought with it. You hated the sin that was brought with it. But Lord, it wasn't a struggle for you to do. You took it with joy, seeing every face that was sitting in this room and the freedom that it would bring. You embraced it with joy. It wasn't service. Because everyone watching that knows you, you knew you were cleaning and bringing to heaven. You were justifying. You were proclaiming fulfilled. Lord, I pray that we would look at people in the same way. Not as another duty, but as people that we love. And they need to experience your love and our love. And the things that we can live out. Lord, I pray that we would never lose an opportunity to express love to people. Because, Lord, if we truly want to be great, if we truly want to show people who we follow and learn from, we need to love. Lord, I pray that if there's anyone here that doesn't know you or anybody watching, they haven't put their trust in you. I pray that they would do so right now. The Bible says there's one way and one way alone to have eternal salvation. And it's not through the actions that we take. It's through the action Jesus took dying on the cross for us. He showed his love. And yet while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. He took all the wrongs we've ever done and ever would do and He put them on the cross on Himself and He died. And anyone that believes that He died for them and rose again has eternal life. And if that's you, if you're putting your trust right now in Jesus as your Savior, could you just raise your hand and let me know? Pastor, pray for me. I'm putting my trust right now in Jesus as my Savior. 
because I would like to pray for you. Or if you're watching online on YouTube or on Facebook and you're putting your trust in Jesus, just let us know right now. Just type a little message. Pastor, I've just put my trust in Jesus right now and I'd like you to pray for me. Lord, because of the Lord, the love that's pouring into our life, I pray that we would love others. Not because they deserve it. Lord, because I didn't deserve your love. But because you first loved me. And you showed it in your service and action. Let me tie that towel around my waist. And everyone here as well. And show that we follow you through our actions of love. We pray this in Jesus' name. And all God's people said, Amen. Amen. Well, brothers and sisters, in another church, this would be the time that they say, and the nursery needs people to sign up and serve and show your ch the children that you love them. No. Um, we obviously have lots of opportunities for you to serve here at Southwest Community Church. But I want you to have more practical actions today. Call someone up and ask how they're doing. That person that's been locked away and feeling, you know, like they are just at their wits end because they haven't been in contact with anybody. Bake them a little banana bread and leave them at the door with a note that says, I love you and Jesus loves you more. That friend that you know hasn't trusted Christ yet, sit them down and say, I need to have a real conversation with you because I love you and I care about where you're going when you die. Show people you love them through your actions and your conversation. Thank you for joining the Transform 365 podcast, a ministry dedicated to helping you grow in relationship to Christ. If you want to know more, find us at transform365.com or on our church website, www.swcc.org, located in Miami, Florida. Until next time, remember... The only work in grace is to let grace work in you. God bless.